many scriptures on my topic today. There's so many things that we can do, but we're, we, I turn to a couple here. Matthew 7, 12, therefore all things, whatever ye would that men should do, do even so to them, for this is the law and the prophets. Mark, uh, the next one, Mark 12, 31, and the second, remember the first, love your, uh, the Lord your God with all your heart. The second commandment, namely this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. There is none other commandment greater than these. Wow. He put love in your neighbor right up there. None greater than these. Can you believe that? Why don't you turn to somebody right now, and I want you to ask him this question. Would you be my neighbor? Did anybody find a new neighbor? Well, maybe we should do that at the end of the service and, and, and go to different, different people. I think before the end of the service, everybody is going to be your neighbor. Most of us here are here every week that are here right now. And we hear um, wonderful messages from different speakers. And uh, this is kind of like a, a, just a, a, a trailer here for our for this or a promotion. I feel that we should use these lessons, and I pray that you do, but if you've never thought about it, then, then here it is. We should use these messages and these lessons that strike a chord in our heart we, as tools to go forward in our walk and in our mission to win souls to grow the kingdom of God. I, 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 have, I have decided since Pastor... Uh, told us ministers, they say, hey, listen, let's drop the Sunday school lessons and go forward. And, and get, so I feel there the, and, and um, that the door was open for me to start teaching about outreach. If you notice, most of the stuff I've been up here is talking about growing souls. I want to do that. And, and I understand that I probably just about the same as anybody else need to do it more. But we need to use these, the things that spark, the things that say, ha, huh, I can use that. And whether they're talking about outreach or not, you know what? I could use that. That was my story. If I told that to somebody else, that's outreach. If I told it to somebody, I could do that to win the kingdom of God. For example, the last time I spoke, I spoke in Isaiah 54, 7, that no weapon formed against us shall prosper. We cannot allow the obstacles that come in our lives to, per, uh, and to prevent us from reaching the lost. We can't let that prosper. We can't. Oh, I got this certain thing that just came up in my life. Is it hindering you? Is it stopping you from growing the kingdom of God? And so for a few minutes, I would like to speak on the subject, like a good neighbor. Speaking of great speakers, Pastor has presented to us this year's theme of Beyond. The, the, I, I try to get it wrong every time, but it's beyond. And I want to present to you how we can go beyond what we are doing and think of some idea, something new, to not only reach our lost neighbors, but to be good neighbors to each other. And so how, 
simple that was, and maybe the vision of Mr. Rogers popped in your head, but when you said, would you be my neighbor, something important about that. There's something about that because everybody knows the name Mr. Rogers. Now is not a good time to quit on your neighbor. Instead, let's say, what can I do to reach my neighbor, my neighborhood and beyond, your community or the places you frequent or visit? Wherever you go, there's most likely someone who needs God. Amen? Do you believe that? Someone needs God in your neighborhood, in your community, somewhere where you go. We need to love our neighbors. Matthew 5, 43 and 44 says, you have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say unto you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Wait, and you say, wait, what? Yeah, surprise. We have heard this many times, but are we doing it? How can we love both our neighbors and our enemies? Romans 12, 10 says, be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Give preference to one another in honor. We need... We don't need to buy our enemies a steak dinner or go out with them just to prove that we love them. Let me say that right off the hand. Not that you wouldn't. You could do that. But you don't have to prove that just by saying, I'm going to do something nice for you. But before I just read, we need to be devoted in brotherly love, give preference to one another in honor. However, we do need to treat them nice, respect them, and yes, even honor them, as I just mentioned. Matthew 5.14, ye, you or ye, are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hid. Everybody say that. A city on a hill cannot be hid. How about a city in a park? Amen. When we put ourselves out there, whatever we're doing, from the office, a Zoom meeting, a, a neighborhood yard sale, a grocery store, and yes, even at Praise in the Park, our Christianity will shine through like a city on a hill. But if we are not treating others with love and respect and honor, then we are hiding our Christian faith where none can see it. But yet, they will still see you. You ever think about that? Your light's not shining, but they still see you. They know you. And yes, people do see you like a good neighbor. And Barry Manilow wrote that one, Sister Taylor, that jingle. We were talking about that this morning. We all need to be good neighbors to everyone. And before I start thinking about being good neighbors, it's more and, and uh, about being a good neighbor is, and you might think how many people are you uh, that are following you on Insta, Twitter, face. But let me say, let me say now, how you treat others is more important than how many likes you get from your followers. That's not a sign you being a good neighbor. It's not. Sorry. It's not. No matter what that is, that is not how you, you, uh, you um, gauge that. Also, I need to address the us. There's a lot of us here. A lot of APT us here. We have uh, to be good neighbors to each other in the body of Christ. Not just to a select individuals or those who we deem worthy of our presence. And I'm speaking from experience here. Isolation in a church 
can be a real thing. Loneliness in a church can be a real thing. Wondering if you fit in because no one is talking to you or uh, including you in things, that's a real feeling. That's a real thing. I, 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 for some reason, it's just this last year, it's, it, I've heard that phrase, church hurt. That's a real thing. Been there, done that. Don't want to ever go be there again. Never. And I've I'm, I'm talked to people, too. They don't ever want to be like that or feel like that again. This isn't a secret society here at our APT. It's not made of, of us and them. This isn't a clique or a member-only club. We were just talking about this in our first grow group of the year. Someone that is new to the church felt so comfortable because so many people came up and welcomed them. And that is something they were actually intimidated or weary of before they came to apostolic praise. They weren't sure because why? Because maybe past experience in their neighborhood, if you will, if I can say that. But the members here made them feel warm and wanted, and they knew that this was the right place for them. Aren't you glad? But how many of us right here are doing that? Are we going to that new person? Are we going out of our way? What if those certain members that greeted this person wasn't there? Would there be others to take their place? I'm going to be positive this morning because I always Yes. I believe the word because I don't think I was one of those that met them on the first day. I don't know if I was out of town or not, but I don't think I did. But there was other people. And you know me, I love getting out and meeting people. I, I will run in the parking lot if I forgot to, to say hi to you or if I needed to say something or if you were new or you're a guest. I'll, hey, how are you doing? Who brought you? Whatever it's going on. I want that. But yes, there are people here. There are multitudes. If not, we wouldn't have had a testimony like that. And I'm going to get into that a little bit more. And, and if we hold the principle of being good neighbors, they, people and our first-time guests will still feel wanted and loved. Each of us, from the pulpit to the door, from the platform to the floor, we need to make sure we are good neighbors to our fellow church members. We can't be mad at each other or hold a grudge no matter what the reason Amen. God checked me this morning. I had to repent real fast. Yeah, me. Because it's so easy to miscongrue something or miscon get get the wrong. You, yeah, I got a lot of teachers and <laughs> master's degree people all over me. But guess what? 36 years of marriage to a dictionary there, a thesaurus, whatever you want to call it, doesn't bother me a bit. It's a gift. Not everybody can mispronounce all the words. The Bible addresses what I just talked about. If In Matthew 18, if your brother sins, right, does something, go to them, show him his fault in private if he listens you have gained your brother your neighbor your sister if we do not resolve the issue when uh then what happens is we start walking on eggshells around people because if we don't we're going to get that look right we're going to get that mm -hmm, or something or like that 
if we don't do it. So we're going to blame the other person, but we got to go there. Preaching to myself there. We have to go do that. If not, we can create an atmosphere our own, ourselves as not feeling wanted. There's no place for that in the church. Do not be intimidated by, I think I've mentioned this one time before, by anybody else in the church. But be respectful when approaching because that's going to make it so much easier when you honor them and you respect them. I should know. I used to say good morning to people and they'd get offended. Half the time. I played the guitar behind our piano player uh, once for years. It wasn't Renee. And she used to give me the look like, what am I doing? I don't know. I guess it was just a little loud for her there behind my amp. Didn't really know. Nobody came to me and told me that. I just, what? Hey, what? Finally, I, I said, I took it. And, hey, what's going on? Guitar's too loud. Thank you very much. Turn it down. Hallelujah. You couldn't hear the guitar over the Leslie's, anyways. The organ. No, I haven't gave you a multiple personality yet. <laughs> no, no. We only have one Leslie here. But uh, in Oregon, you have the big Leslie's that sit there, the big box that amplify. So, yeah, those are called Leslie's. So. I, they're probably spelled different, but that's the way we pronounce them. So I'm joking kind of about that, about just saying good morning to somebody. But, but I have been on the side where someone might be shy in addressing me. I'm six foot one. I got a deep voice. I get, I, during younger days, I yelled at my kids or, you know, I told them what to do. I was very authoritative. So like somebody might have seen that and thought I was not approachable. So I've seen that look. I've seen that fear. And I don't want that at all. Don't want that at all. Anybody can come up to me at any time and say anything to me. Come up to me and say that. That's fine. I have no problem at all because I like resolving things. I speak from personal experience. Believe me, I've been on both sides of it. I've been on both sides. Hope you caught that. And it doesn't belong in the church. What does belong in the church? Love. Love for each other. Love for our neighbor. I never want to be the reason for someone not to feel loved. And yes, I just hurried up because I saw the time. I went to a, um, a Sunday morning church service soon after I got back from a tour in the Navy. Somewhere in the flow of the service, a pastor greeted the guest. It's good to have Emil Pearl here this morning. Thank you for coming. Uh, immediately, there were hand clappings, and those near me wanted to shake my hand. I was standing next to Renee at this time, too. She was attending that church while I was away, so I went to pick her up. Did it make me feel wanted and appreciated? It sure did. And you know what happened next? The pastor spoke again. It's good to have so-and-so here. It's good to have Mr. So-and-so or this. And they went on to welcome seven more guests. And the same response happened to him as it did for me. I am not calling for that in the church. That was, you know, wow, we, we, we don't need to have somebody stand up and do that right now unless the flow goes like that. What I'm saying, um, it, it did. It was it, everybody responded the same as they did for me, but it made me feel special. And here's another experience. Renee and I were scouting out churches up in Colorado Springs. 
we went up there. As soon as we got up there, we wanted to go to churches because we're praying that, that our kids would come back to church. And we wanted to make sure we had a church that they could go to. So we ended up uh, in a nice, fairly large UPC church Sunday, uh, Sunday morning. Sunday morning. Right? It, it wasn't the warmest welcome, but hey, you know, we're leaders. We understand we're in the ministry. We understand that, you know, get caught up. There's things. Maybe there was a special meeting that morning or something like that. So we, we sat down for service. The, the pastor came down, and uh, I don't know if you guys have ever done this, and I apologize, if, but it's one of those things, you know, you, I don't know if it's OCD or something, but when the pa there's a door open and the pastor comes down these stairs, just in time to preach. And I'm, okay, okay, it's okay. This is tradition. This is what they've done all the time. No problem. He preaches. And then the service is over. That's it. It's just over. And he literally says this, and now we are going to have our business meeting. Our visitors can leave. Nope. Is the first impressions count. They do. They do count. All right. There's seven or eight churches in the Colorado Springs area there. We went to another one that night. And, and so they do, they do matter. I don't know why, what happened, what the, how that got in there, and why they would do a business meeting on a Sunday after service. I have no clue. But we thought, no, this is, we can look somewhere else. Not mean, not bitter, nothing like that. We just, no, we're going to go on. I saw a billboard or a signage, I don't know, but uh, the other day from one of the twin churches on Cypress Lake Drive. Richard, you know what I'm talking about. It's the twin churches, yeah, if you ever down Cypress Lake. And one of the phrases or a theme caught my attention. Joe, if you could put that up there. Now, it wasn't read. You are seen, known, loved, and loved. Now, if I was looking for a non-apostolic church on Cypress Lake Drive, which one do you think I would choose out of those two? The one that had just highlighted the, on the one side the times of the speaker and, hey, we have service on Wednesday night. Or the one that says, here, right here at this church, you are known, seen, and loved. I'd pick that one if I needed a place to go. I'm just telling you. I wonder which, which church has the people coming in, the guests, the first-time guests. Remember, a city on a hill cannot be hid. And, 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 and this is a great analogy. It brought up a great analogy when I was studying praying for this. You may be at work or in a community doing the exact same thing as the person next to you, right? But the difference is your message. What do you have to say? What do you have to offer, to bring to the place? You're exactly the same. I, I work at a hospital system as a technician. I'm the same, I'm the same uniform, everything. The guy goes in there before me to fix a computer. But what is it about me that's different? How can I bring the message, my, my attitude, whatever it is, to, into that atmosphere? You can be side by side. Just like those churches are. As I um, 
continue this morning, the next obvious question is, do you feel seen, known, and loved here? Do you feel seen, known, and loved? And because the fact that you are here and nobody's run out in the middle of my message, I hope you do feel seen, known, and loved, and that you do feel wanted. But the, maybe even the tougher question is this. To the saints here, to the members, the leaders here at APT, do you see, do you know, and do you love your neighbor? Every guest that comes into this church, do you see, do you know, do you love them? Or do you look and immediately judge? Or do you go out of your way to communicate with somebody? I guess it depends on which message we are displaying. Are we really inviting our neighbors or just, ah, here's an outline, a schedule, I hope you get to come. And, and leaders, I, I know I, I, I do bring this up because I feel impressed. I feel God has spoken to me uh, to talk to everyone, but also our leaders specifically sometimes. Not calling anybody out, never do that. Leaders, do you go out of your way for your department? To get down a little bit more serious, you go out of your way to make them feel like they couldn't have picked a better department in the whole world. I will tell you for myself, I want to belong where somebody wants me. But on the other side of it, I want you to feel like you belong. As a leader, I must pay attention to those around me, understanding the needs, ambitions other than my own. Thus, making a great department. I'll leave the leaders alone in just a minute, but first I want to ask this. When was the last time we met with every person in our department? And ask them how they're doing. How are you doing? Do you feel used in a good or bad way? Do you want to be used in a different way? Do you have any suggestions to help my department or my team or my program or my ministry? Do you have any suggestions to make it the best in the world? I want to be a good neighbor to my team. I want you to be a good neighbor to your team, to meet with them. And I implore you to meet with your team. I'm talking about being a good neighbor. Churches, there are so many verses, principles, promises, lessons from the Bible. I kind of mentioned this a little bit early that we hear each week and we read about and even listen to them. There's likely not a topic that has not been preached in some way. I understand that. Like a good neighbor has probably been out there, somebody talking about it, maybe not the exact same title, but of course, millions of messages have preached about being a good neighbor. Almost everything we absorb and learn from the scriptures can be used to better ourselves to reach the lost. Church, our one and only God became flesh and was sacrificed to wash our sins away so we might join him in heaven for eternal life. Jesus gave us an important challenge, a job, a mission, as he says, and that is to reach this lost world so that others can join him in heaven. How many wants that? I want to reach people so they can join God in heaven. He told us to go out. We're commissioned to spread this gospel, to make disciples. Every one of us has a story in life. Amen? We got a lot of stories, and half of your story probably hasn't been told. Some of it can't be told. Some of it you're dying to tell somebody. 
And in these stories are words and promises and principles we live by. There are adventures, joy and happiness, sadness, discouragement, gain and loss, life and death. We go through it. We come out of it. We plan for it, and sometimes we just wing it. But I'm wondering if we're using every experience that we go through, every trial, every victory, somehow as an example to reach the loss that one day people will join us in heaven. Are we using these? What I bet some people say, I can't teach a Bible study. I, I don't like doing that. But you can tell them where God has brought you from. And what is he doing in your life now? No strings attached. I tell people stories, like, where are you even coming with this stuff? What, is there a point here? No, I'm just telling you what God has done for me. We had awesome service Sunday. We had awesome service praise in the park. What does that have to do with me? I'm telling you how great it was. If you ever wanted to come out, you can. There is something else, some other way, or is there something else? Some other way you can take your life story and go beyond the routine and think of different ways to reach our neighbors. Which kind of neighbor are you? Seriously, in your community, which kind of neighbor of you? Do you know the first or last name of those next door to you? Do they know your story? Well, I've lived in the street for 10 years. I know everyone. What about the next street over? You know, even Christians can be the bad neighbor. And here are some examples of bad neighbors. Not Christian bad neighbors, just in general. Obnoxious, right? Cars up on jack stands. Parks everywhere in the yard. In the middle of town, I'm saying. Not, not, out, not out where the pastor lives out there in the, bo in the boonies, but... And they let their dog, their animals go to the bathroom on your yard. What? We got cameras everywhere. We see you. Get a baggie and go. And I feel sometimes uh, this happens in the church. They're not like me or they don't look right. They don't talk right. Just stay over there and I'll stay here. As when I was researching this lesson and I put like a good neighbor I wanted to see a picture. I wanted to see how, how, can I, how can I take this picture and send it to Brother Ramirez and have him make it say that without the State Farm logo and all that. And you know what I found? People buy these mats. Like a good neighbor, stay over there. Doormats. Like a good neighbor, stay over there. You know... Uh, you know, I'm on the front row. I'm on the front row, right? I'm here, and all of a sudden the doors open back, and everybody has a jerk. You know, we all do that, right? Oh, oh, stay over there. I'm not going to go visit that person. You know, are, are we thinking like that, or are we going to go, man, I, I got to make sure I get off my base, and I go down there and greet them before they leave? Because some people, especially, especially, oh, I'm getting, ooh, I'm going to get in trouble Bishop, I'm going to get in trouble, especially when you see a Pentecostal person visiting your church, and they're gone. Altar call comes up, they're boom, they're gone. I can't get off in time to say hi. Nobody, so that's nobody's fault, but they're just gone because they got things to do. They're gone. They're visiting family, and they're like, we're going to be here. 
It was like, all right, all right. But you know what I mean? We can't do that. Oh, you stay over that side. I'm going to be over here. No, that doesn't belong in the church. We all, all of us, pulpit to the door, platform to the floor. We all need to reach out and be good neighbors. I'm thankful that someone, yeah, it was my family member, but they set aside their fears all right, because I had my parents had nothing to do. They did not want my sister to be in church. They were raised Church of God Pentecostal, and they said, you'll never go to a Pentecostal church ever. My sister got the Holy Ghost in a Church of God, and then she got baptized in UPC church. And then she started bringing us to church, and my, and, and my little sister prayed, and my mom didn't like it. So, so I understand that they were my family, but I'm glad they set aside their fears and began and crossed over and started talking to me about God. They got out of their comfort zone. Where would you be without somebody crossing their property line and talking to you about God? Growing up in the 70s, we lived on Eastern Street, Poway, California. Since my parents were uh, one of the first people to buy the brand new six houses on Eastern Street, we were behind two trailer parks, and the road went up the middle, uh, Edgemore, and then Eastern Street. Yeah, I'm old. Uh, like, uh, well, Brother Buck isn't here. I can't pick on him. He remembers everything, right? So, yeah, so, so I'm old. I remember these. I have a good long-term memory, short-time I don't know. Renee, what did you say? What am I doing in here? I'm in the pantry. I don't know. I'm lost. But, man, I remember 904-748-4091. That was my, that was my phone number in 1970. 14021 Eastern Street. Anyways, so we're there, right? Get back on track, Sister Taylor. I am. I'm getting back on track. So we're there. Right? In the 70s, it was great. We lived there. We knew everybody's everybody, uh, uh, names until the house next door became a rental and the hippies moved in. I'm telling you, the other five houses were not good neighbors because we had judged them before meeting them. We left them alone. Remember, we weren't raised in church, so there wasn't no, hey, let's go over and invite them to Sunday school. Even the Sunday school people across the house didn't invite them to Sunday school where I went to Good News Club. And uh, we left left them alone with their uh, long hippie hair, their hippie vest, and driving their hippie flower cars. We just left them alone. Nobody laughed at that. We, We got some hippies in here. But one night, something changed. If you're old enough to have grown up in, uh, before the 90s, and if you, if you did this before, I apologize, you know what it's like to go outside after dark. No lights in the streets. And play kick the can, which is the, the tough version of hide and seek, or the cool version of hide and seek. Anybody play kick the can? Oh, come on. Yeah. Yeah, it's like a hide and seek, but you, you kick the can, and then everybody hides again. You sneak up before they catch you. So there we were in the neighborhood kids and some others playing kick the can on our street. We're all gathered in front of my uh, friend Jay Winter's house, which was on the other side of the hippie house. It was my house, hippie house, Jay's house, and then the street was in the middle. I had to say hippie, so I'm sorry. It's, it's in the dictionary. I mean, you can Google it. It's Wikipedia. It's not a bad word. 
So we're playing. So what happens? We disperse. We all hide. We come back, and somebody tries to kick the can before they see you. And they go to the can. They say, you're it. Or, you know, you're in the can. Or, or, or uh, uh, yeah, Brother Glon, you're in the can. Brother, Brother Locke, you're in the can. You know, and then if not, you come and kick. Everybody gets free that was in the can. It's always a really cool game, right? I know. I'm going to go play today. All of a sudden, out of nowhere, around Edgemore, coming up Eastern Street with this muscle car. Who knows? It could have been a Camaro. It could have been a Nova. Back in, you know, 72 Nova or something like that. It was, you know, they're boom, boom. It comes speeding up. We all had to get out of the way, and it just drove past us. Then it drove back around the corner, and it come up speeding up. Well, Mr. Winters, Jay's dad, he's a Volkswagen mechanic, and he was in the Navy at the same time. Had, had a Volkswagen place right down the street, and he has all kind of tools, like Roger's garage. You could probably find anything in there. He probably has a car for sale inside there, and he doesn't know it. So he brings out this rail. It's like a, it's like a, a rail, that, a, like a ramp, and he throws it out in the middle of the road, sideways. After that car goes up, and he comes back down, hits that thing speeding, going fast, both wheels, and all of a sudden you, see, you just see the wheels go like that. And he comes around the corner, and we're like, yay, man. And then the guy comes around the corner starts walking some big guy and he has a weapon in his hand now this might sound funny but it was a safety pin five inches or six inches safety pin you know the big one you don't that and he's past my house and then he crosses getting ready to cross in front of the hippie house and a miraculous thing happened the front door of the hippie house opened up and three guys come out and as they're coming they're gathering these big rocks that they had in their yard and they come out and they stood between us and the guy and they go, and there was yelling some uh, phrases I'd never heard before in my life, you know, some, some words. And they're yelling, and it basically was, you're going to become a rock sandwich unless you turn around and leave. And the guy decided this wasn't the end of his story that night, and he left. And all the kids got, we all shouted, hooray for the hippies. <laughs> kids, man, they're honest, right? Oh, Yeah. We, I, think, I think we end up uh, having them come over to the pool party and, and all my parents cooked them dinner. And all, all it, was, it was good. It was good. The hippie neighbors ended up being the good neighbors. You know what? I don't know if they knew how the rest of the neighbors felt. And if they did, they didn't let it stop them from letting us know that they saw us. And they knew us, and they wanted to protect us, that they, that we were their neighbors, and we were worth fighting for. Musicians, you can come on up. You don't know. I mean, how many times we preach, don't prejudge. Don't. Don't prejudge people. Don't like that. And I'm not saying go crazy. I'm not saying if you're a lady and you get a flat tire on the interstate, don't, don't. Or if you see some guy with a flat tire, don't pull over and pick him up. I'm not, that's not, I'm not saying that. That's just, you know, use common sense. You know, watch, watch yourself when you're out in this, oh, everything, guys, girls, everybody. You got to watch yourself. I'm not saying that. I'm talking about the people down your street, the people that you know, people you run into. Maybe, maybe a homeless person. Maybe that you see all the time. Maybe something like that. Be a good neighbor. I know that my uh, hippie example is kind of an unusual one, but it proves that we should never allow our preconceived ideals to get in the way of being a good neighbor. 
Your neighbor is worth fighting for because someone fought for you. And Jesus is an example of a good neighbor, not only because he told us to love our neighbors, but he has always been our best neighbor and our best friend. He's been with us from the garden to the sacrificial hilltop. And he's with us uh, into eternity, eternity and beyond and between. Micah 7, 18, he does not retain his anger forever because he delighteth in mercy. Aren't you glad he's that kind of neighbor? He, you messed up somewhere, that's okay. I'm going to forgive you. Just repent, I'm going to forgive you. Because the Bible says he delighteth in mercy. He was such a good neighbor, he left the throne of glory to walk and be with mankind and then to die for us, to forgive us. In Luke 10, uh, Jesus speaks a parable. And in this parable, Jesus shows that the idea of being a good neighbor uh, he, he shows the idea of being a good neighbor by telling the story of the Good Samaritan who helps a wounded man. Despite cultural differences and prejudices, and prejudices, it teaches that everyone is your neighbor and the kindness should extend to all. You guys remember the story? A man was beaten and robbed and thrown into a ditch. And we had some people going by, a priest, a Levite, and they just passed him by. And then the Samaritan, who is an enemy of the Jews, decided, I'm going to be the good neighbor. I'm going to take care of this gentleman. I'm going to give him oil. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give him a room. I'm going to give him some money. I'm going to take care of him. And he, and, he, and he made sure that he left him in good hands. How many times has this sanctuary been visited by those who have been mistreated, robbed, and even taken advantage of? in their past we don't know unless of course they open up and some of them have i'm thankful for grow groups i i know i i, I this wasn't going to be a promotion about grow groups but people have opened up in our grow group about how mistreated they were in their past life before before christ and how abused and how lonely they felt until somebody became a good neighbor like that samaritan these people that come in, they may have been overlooked or unloved, coming to this place wandering and unsure. But like this person I talked about, we were able to gather around them and love them and make them know that they are seen and that, that we know them and that they are loved. Church, I don't want to be like the priest or the Levite from this parable and just walk by. Remember I was out on the front pew, just yeah, stay on that side. I'm okay. I'm just going gonna, gonna to walk out this door here. Right? Because it's easier to get off the platform and I'm just gonna just sit aside and just boom and then and then and then use the restroom and then and then maybe say something to somebody in the hall and come out and everybody's gone. Oh good, I didn't have to confront them or be be with them. Now you could have never imagined me doing that, of course. Never. Right? No, no, no. I like I said, I'm gonna run out into the parking lot if I didn't get to say hi to you. Usually. I think Brother Magamo, you've been a recipient of that. Raced him down. He's flying out of here so much. He's like, man, that brother pulls crazy. No, I'm just. Let's stand. Everyone, and I, I don't, I don't want to sound rude, but please hear me. Our neighbors are in this building, on our streets, and throughout our community. How? Are we being a neighbor to them? What message are we sending?
each of those people out there. And for, once again, let me reiterate, the, in the church here, our teens are our neighbors. What can you do? What can you do? Brother Locke, what can I do as a grow group leader to make our grow group the best in the world, our, our church? Pastor, what can I do to help make our, our team? Sister Leslie, what can I do to help do that? Or vice versa, I'm saying too. What can, what can they do to help make us the best neighbors that this church has ever seen and the best neighbors this community's ever seen? What can we do? Jesus said they are our neighbors. Hebrews 6.10, for God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love, which ye have showed towards his name in that ye have ministered to the saints and do minister. Basically, he hasn't, he hasn't turned a blind eye. He knows when you are a good neighbor, when you are there, when you are on top of things, when you are loving. Ephesians 5 says this, and, and 2, 1 and 2. Therefore, be imitators of God. Who is the greatest friend? Who's the greatest neighbor? Who's the one that loves us the most? Most God. As beloved children, and walk in love just as Christ also loved you and gave himself up for you. Church, imitate God. Be a good neighbor. Why don't we love him and worship him right now? Lord, we love you, Jesus.
Hallelujah. God is so good. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. I, I just have one, one question before you dismiss for prayer. Would you be my neighbor? Amen. God bless you.